Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, and welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Appreciate the support. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Uh, please go give us an iTunes review. Uh, I, we've been getting a lot more over the last couple of months, and I'd love to keep that going just so other people like you can continue to find the show. Uh, really, really appreciate the support. We also have a survey that you can find on the Zenny blog and in the show notes. Be sure to take that. It, I promise it only takes a couple minutes, and it just helps us on the feedback. And you have an opportunity to win a book uh, that we do a drawing for monthly. So better chances to win if you do them both. Anyways, on to today's episode. Today, I interviewed Jeff McManus. He is the author of Growing Weeders into Leaders and has been the Director of Landscaping Services at the University of Mississippi. Most of us know it as Ole Miss. Uh, His first book, Pruning Like a Pro, was about being a great landscaper. And this book, Growing Weeders into Leaders, is all about the people side rather than the plants themselves. So I brought Jeff on. He's got a unique background that I've never had on the podcast before. He's got some really interesting leadership ideas and just growth opportunities for his people. And he, you can just tell he genuinely cares about the people he leads. And the results prove it for themselves. He's he's won multiple awards. Ole Miss has won multiple awards for their campus. And Jeff highlights a lot of the secrets about developing his people and just how far they've come. And I think you're really going to enjoy what he has to say about leadership and his growth and development of his people. So I'll step out of the way. Here's the interview with Jeff. Hey, Jeff, it's so great to have you in the podcast. Welcome. Brandon, so glad to be here with you and your team. Yeah, I appreciate it. So first off, this is not related to the content of your book whatsoever, but I love the cover. Who did that illustration and and the cover of the design? It's one of my favorites, actually. Morgan and James, my publisher, provided that cover. They did a a super job. I think with the title and then with the just the cover design, I think it really sets the stage for the book. And it's a nice, easy read, too. So I want to dive into the the subject of it. You've got an interesting story, actually. And it's one that, you know, I have a lot of authors come on and they don't have your kind of story necessarily. They've been either, you know, a lifelong business owner or entrepreneur or they've been in career HR. Uh, You started in landscaping. That's right. And tell me your story. Well, I, I was uh, actually a marketing major. I was oh, sort of you in your world. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I didn't really enjoy that world too much, uh, Brandon. I actually made an F in the marketing class, and I knew <laughs> that was a sign that I should um, go to a different area. But I really didn't enjoy it that much. And I was taking a horticultural class at Auburn University. Truly enjoyed it. The professor there had a tremendous impact on me, the one class I had, because he knew every plant name 
I mean, he just knew everything about it. It was, hmm. you know, one of those guys like a walking encyclopedia. But Brandon, after a, a month or so, what I really realized is the name that he knew that mattered to me is he knew my name. And I wasn't used to that as a, you know, having a college professor not only know my name, but wanted me to be successful. He was trying and working hard for my success, uh, Dr. Harry Ponder. And so through that, I got hired uh, down in Orlando for a year at a top end resort at Grand Cypress Resort and then went um, quickly, was hired away from there to Turnberry Isle Resort in North Miami and was there for 11 years. After that, I ended up here at Ole Miss at the University of Mississippi Amazing. in Oxford, Mississippi. So yeah. when you got, be, between the time you were at the resorts, were you at uh, any sort of leadership level or were you really doing the work? Well, I started off as a manager trainee. And okay. Of course, my dad made sure I was doing the work growing up. So I, yeah, I, I had you. my hands dirty. But when I got out of college and manager trainee, I've been in mid mid-level management most of my life. And of course, I've, I've had the entrepreneur bug too. I have a small business as well and, and have a small landscaping business. But my big thrust has been mid-level management and working in large organizations. And so at Ole Miss, you st- what year did you get hired there? 2000. And you've been, is a director of landscape services? Is that the title? Yeah, um, they they threw the airport and the golf course in on me too. So oh I've my got goodness! Those on my, yeah, so, so I mean, fun. give context. How big is this this campus, and then how many people do report to you? Well, we have a thousand acres on the main campus. Oh we goodness. have another two hundred or so at the airport, and another three hundred or so at the golf course, or the other way around. It's something like that. It's about fifteen hundred acres total. Total, I have close to 50 people in the whole, all three divisions answering to me, 50, 55, just depending on what we're doing. And we get to bring in students part-time. We love to hire students and mentor them. Our staff looks at students as more than just people with, you know, strong backs and weak minds. You know, they look at them as a, the future and in and, and developing them and actually mentoring them. So I think people know Ole Miss is a beautiful campus. When you started in 2000, what was the shape of it like? Well, it was pretty rough. It was a, it was a, it was a not had good bones, as they say. It was not, it was a nice <laughs> structure, but it was missing the eye for detail. And we were we were in last place when it came to beauty, and we our morale was pretty pretty low amongst the team. It was a an area where we didn't we were lacking in a lot of good strong leadership and direction. And I found that when I first came on board, that people just didn't trust me. They they didn't have a reason to trust me. They uh, had been burned so many times. And, and just I had to work hard to build the trust with our team to sell our plan, to sell our vision, that we do more than just landscaping, that you know we help recruit the future of America, people who are going to go on and cure cancer and cure HIV. And that took a while to plow that up and to and to lay the seeds and and plant that and water those those ideas in our staff. That is so you know that's so fascinating. At for most people, they would kind of look at a, a role like that, you know, landscaping. Oh, I'm just you know making the trees look nice. But you you just said like the greater outcome, which is you know making sure that the t- the top talent goes to Ole Miss and they can go cure can like they can get their degree go on to bigger and better things and cure cancer and they may not go there because it's not the campus that they desire to be at 
That's true. You know, 62% of prospective students will make a decision in the first few minutes if they're coming to a college based on the appearance. Mm-hmm. And so that's important. I mean, we need to see the bigger picture. And as leaders, it's our job to connect the dots that we're doing more than working for a paycheck and a, and a pension. We're working for a, a purpose. There's a purpose for what we're doing. Our work actually matters in the bottom line but also in changing our culture and changing our world. When you first started at Ole Miss, did, did you realize you would have these struggles of like the lack of trust and maybe from previous leadership, just you, you came into a challenging situation and you knew there'd be a lot of work to do? Yes, I, I did know that. I knew that coming in, uh, that there was going to be some challenges. I just didn't realize how, how challenging it was going to be. And it took a while. It took, it took a good year two years to really get the headway but you know you you, it's like anything else you watch nature you have to be persistent if you walk away from the garden you know everything in the world's going to grow in there weeds you know everything you don't want so you have to continually till that and work it and water it and get the things that you want to grow it's the same way with people you've got to continually feed them healthy uh, a diet and develop them on the inside. You've got some awesome philosophies uh, throughout your book, and I want to touch on some of those things. But first, like I wanted to understand, like early on in your career, uh, and maybe uh, Ole Miss, what was like one of those aha moments that you know, just leadership like changed you as a leader? Was there any of those moments that stuck out to you? Well, I think watching my role, one of my role models, which was Dr. Uh, uh, Robert Kayat, and how he empowered people. And he was the head of the whole university. But Brandon, each morning, he got up, walked the campus, and picked up paper. And that right there uh, spoke volumes to me that here this guy is with all these degrees, all these, you know, he has, he's raising over half a billion dollars, all this things that are top level, but yet he's out there willing to lead by example. And for me, that just, it was an aha moment over time that just planted in me and said, you know, this is important. The details matter. How you lead yourself is probably the most important part of leadership. I mean, it builds the credibility for everything else. If people know that you're in there with them, they they want to be a part of that too. I love that because it's like not only are you walking the talk, but it's like you're not above anything. Like you may have this top mm-hmm. level position, but you're not above picking up garbage when you see garbage on the ground. Uh, yeah, that's, right. that's, that's important. Well, you're willing to get your hands dirty. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you do that as a leader a lot? Oh, yeah. Still do. I mean, you, just, <laughs> you never stop. I was. I got the uh, great opportunity to hang around a CEO of a major fast food uh, restaurant, and um, he did the same thing. He just picked up paper. Every time he parked, he parked uh, way away from anywhere he went and just picked up paper. And I'm like, you know, these guys, they get it. They're setting the example. They're setting the tone. Was that Chick-fil-A by chance? Yeah, it was. Yeah. How'd you know? Well, you, it, you mentioned it. You mentioned, I think maybe the Chick-fil-A uh, owner made a uh, uh, forward in the book or something. But I just remember yeah. that that restaurant being uh, in the book somewhere. So I figured that was yeah. it. Um, you have this concept and I think you trademarked it. It's called landscape university. And I I thought it was genius. I I want you to tell listeners what this is. Why did you even create it in the first place? 
Well, Landscape University was uh, for a couple of reasons. I was getting more and more responsibility. I mean, we have, you know, we have about 30 people here on the main campus and I was getting the golf course and I was getting the airport and I needed to be able to have consistency. I needed to be able to get the quality of our work to stay consistent, but also needed opportunities for our people to grow Mm -hmm. and I needed them to be trained and developed in a way that I knew was correct. So what we did is we started developing classes and we let our staff be a part of this where they help develop the classes, where they have input in the classes. And and what came about was a tremendous amount of ownership of Landscape University for our existing employees. They embraced the concept because they're thinking, when I've got a new person to train, they are, it is so much easier to train them when I have this nice curriculum already put together. We've created our own PowerPoint or we've created our own little short video and put along with it. And then when we go out into the field to actually work, they're already up to speed on how to do the, the quality and the way we want to do our things. I'm amazed, Brandon, how much time it has saved me. It has just been, a, I mean, it's given us more time. It's like sharpening an axe. You've got to take, you know, take a little bit of time to sharpen the axe. Abraham Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend <laughs> six hours sharpening the axe. Yeah. And that's, that's what Landscape University does. It just makes us sharper. What do you have? What kind of curriculum do you have in Landscape University? Oh, well, it's fun. The first the first level is, is think about your orientation. It's an onboarding process where we introduce people to our culture and what we're about. We go through our landscape creed. We go through our vision of cultivating greatness. All these, all, and then we go through some of the HR things that you got to do with policies and all the all those fun things. But then the second level gets more into what we're doing out in the field. Uh, those core classes that everybody's going to be involved in. It may be, you know, silly things, but how do we deal with keys in our in our organization? Because we share a lot of equipment. So we have to have some ways we don't lose keys. And we, we go over simple things like that. Um, what we do is we ask our supervisors and our staff, what do we need a class in? What is it that you're getting frustrated about? And uh, maybe we develop a class on how to put out pine needles, our mulch around trees, and, and those type of things. And, and we just keep working through the, the next level 300 gets more technical and mowing. We're real particular how we want our ta- staff to mow, edge, weed eat. There's certain things we want to make sure that they're doing and not doing. So we've taken pictures. We've shown them the good and the bad. I'm telling you uh, how to put a a lawnmower blade on, you know, making sure you put this side up uh, going in versus upside down. I'm telling you, it has made us so much more efficient. And it's it's just really simple communication that's really helped us. Do you have anything that's leadership-based to elevate people oh, yeah. who may be at contributor levels, levels too? Yeah, level 500 gets more into leadership. Um, I do a class called Leader to Leader every month and everybody is attends that class and then we also uh, have our hr department has some classes we incorporate those into our uh, landscape university uh, communication classes what it takes to be successful all these type of different topics and the classes are short each class has a um, a little quiz so everybody has to go through and pass the quiz and then we get into specialized equipment. We're getting ready to get into trees and the level 700. Um, if you want to be a supervisor, 
we've got classes for that as well. So we're trying to cover everything that we're touching in our department in these classes and in Landscape U. I'm going to make an assumption that you probably don't have a hard time finding leaders within your people because you are taking the time to develop them. So they probably want to keep on growing and and elevate to, to new levels. Is that assumption correct? You know, I'm going to say yes and no, because it's sometimes people do not like to lead their peers. Interesting. And they just want to, they want to be liked, but they don't want to be the person in charge. So, you know, you know, as well as I do, if you're going to lead people, it's harder to be their friends. Yes. And so what I find is it's hard for some people to give that up. For those people who don't want to become leaders, have you have you done anything to really strengthen uh, their ownership over their role or their specific areas so that way they're sort of leading within them, themselves? Absolutely. I mean, the classes are, so we have some classes based on knowledge. So we've got the technical part, but then they also have a role in leading our students in a mentoring uh, program. So uh, they are assigned a student or maybe a new person and their job is to make sure that they get onboarded in the landscape university principles, the, the standards and and teach them that way. We've had students come back to tell us how much they've enjoyed working here because they were treated like a human being. They uh, said such respect and really appreciate how uh, the, the men and women in your department have respected us as a young person, didn't talk down to us, didn't put us down, but really even ask our opinion on things and, and sought feedback. And so, yeah, everybody has a role in that. I'm sure a lot of employees who may be listening to this would say, wow, you provide a lot of professional development opportunities. I mean, like a structured training program like that is it's hard to come by, I think, with a lot of employers. And have you ever run across employees of yours that just don't want to take advantage of those development opportunities They sort of want to come in and do their job? Well, anytime you start something like this with an existing group of of people, (laughs) you're you're going to get pushback. And so the way we dealt with pushback was to let them be a part of it. And that worked really well because initially when we talked about it, yes, we had people going, we're too busy. We don't have time for this. We're not going to do this. But when when they when we kept asking them, well, what do you think the new person needs to know? What what would you, uh, what are some of the things that have frustrated you out in the field that we could do better? Well, slowly they start seeing the value in this, and you know, really we owe it to them to to give them this type of training so that they can do it right, safely, and 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 enjoy what they're doing and go home safely to their to their families every day. So. We have found that those who who initially didn't enjoy it, it they some of those are no longer here, and some of them got it and, and came on in bo- and got on board. I want to bring up a line from your book that I just totally resonated with, and it was under the the section titles don't make you a leader, and you wrote a leadership title will get you respect to your face, but you have to earn it to your back. You will earn respect with or without a title by the way you handle yourself and treat others. End quote. And I couldn't agree more with that, that statement. So in your mind, how did you earn it as a leader? Well, the, furry, the very first day, the very first week in the month, I had to do something that was just so simple, but a lot of people overlook. And, and that was to actually walk up to our staff members, extend my hand, shake their hand, look them in the eye and say, good morning. Good morning, Brandon. How you doing? And then start the conversation and listen 
and and be involved in their day. I didn't stay in the office all day long. I was out in there and and you know being able to compliment them on their work, train them out in the field, and then I had to share my passion for what I wanted to do. This is where people, I think, a lot of times make mistakes. They don't share their passion for what they do. I love what I do, Brandon. I love taking an ugly property and making it beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love seeing people go from where, you know, they start at point A and get get high and above in their levels. And so I started talking about why can't we be the best of the best? Why can't we be like Disney world is to the resort culture, just the best. And so we kept planting these seeds in our staff's head. And I, and I showed them that I believe that we could. And I took them to other places and showed them. Um, I went on field trips and we went all across the Southeast looking at places, building relationships, asking them how, you know, about things that they saw. What did you think about this place? What was your observations? And we built that core leadership group and we kept expanding that until you know even today we're doing leader to leader classes where I'm involved with every single person that has access to me make the organization as flat as possible and so to me it's it, you just never stop cultivating that culture um, and then I, you learn that by watching nature you got to get out there and water you got to get out there and plant and you got to you got to feed the culture to what you want it to be you made the parallel between growing plants and developing leaders. And for plants to be healthy, you got to do regular pruning and maintenance, water it, all that stuff. But with leaders, what do you need to do? I mean, it sounds like you've really, you've really figured that out. Give us some tips on that. Well, you've, you've got to cast a vision. You, you've you've got to do something bigger than than Brandon and Jeff. So why don't we become the best of the best, Brandon? Could we be yeah. the best possible university in the United States? We never had done that. Well, now we have five national championships that say we are the most pretty, the most beautiful campus in America. And so that's the first thing is get to think bigger, and then you've got to accept your role, uh, whatever you're doing, and then just realize you got to be the best at it. So if I'm picking up trash. As a leader, I've got to make sure that person picking up the trash realizes how important that is. So we talk about 62% of prospective students will make a decision based on the cleanliness of the campus. So you're not really picking up paper. What you're really doing is helping recruit the next doctor who's going to cure cancer because they may decide to come here because of what you've done. And you've got to believe that. And you've got to continually talk about that because people forget about it. So that that vision is higher. You take them somewhere with you. It's a trip together because if they're just a cog on a wheel and we're just working to Friday and we're just trying to get through, take another bite out of the apple, man, people are just here for a paycheck at that point. And there is no passion in a place like that. I need, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, Brandon, but I love to work with people who love to work. Absolutely. Wanna, yeah, I want to be the best at what they do. And not only that, but just like tied to the the outcome. Like they, they feel like they're making a, a contribution to the greater purpose of the organization. That's right. I've had I had a lady after I was speaking at a at a large organization come up to me and she's like, I don't get it. I don't I don't understand how it is that you can get the your staff to have so much excitement and pride in what they do. And, and it kind of hit me. I was like, I, I, I've been so close to it and for so long. I don't, I don't always see it. Maybe I take it for granted. But we started figuring it out. What we have to do is give them ownership. We have to let them have a voice. 
at the table. And if you're not willing to 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 do those things and, and let them have some voice at the table, they they don't. It's not theirs. And so they're when you leave, they're not going to work hard. They're just going to say, "Hey, man, let's just do enough <laughs> to keep from getting fired." Right? Yeah, exactly. Earlier, you brought up the landscaping creed that you created, and even in the book, you outline the entire thing. So basically, it's you know, kind of your vision, your principles that you you've developed. How do you make sure this sticks? Do you talk about it on a regular basis? Do you integrate it with some other practices that you have? Like, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. So, so the cool thing about Landscape University is, you know, we bring in, we're constantly growing ourselves here. So, you know, you got to fertilize and water. So one of the things we did is hire a speaker, Terry Johnson, who was a local guy, who was a Green Beret. And he heard all these things we were doing. We were just birthing Landscape University. And he goes, man, you guys are great. Mm -hmm. He goes, but what you guys need is like the Green Beret, the special forces. You need a creed. And I'm like, man, I do not need a creed. What is a creed? And so (laughs) I let it sit there. But it was a seed that didn't go away. It started growing in me in about four. Four to five years later, I facilitated a group discussion with our entire department. I said, what do you want to be known for, Brandon? What do you want the new person to know when he comes to work for us or she works for us? And these you know, people said, we lead by example. You know, we adapt and overcome. And they started mm-hmm. just saying these things. And we're writing them all down on, the, on these big post-it, white post-its. And we're coming up with all these great ideas. And guys were getting so excited. They were going home that night. They went home, several of them, and wrote, the land, wrote a landscape creed. And we would just take this and made it a process where we eventually hammered out the creed. And then you say, how do we keep it fresh? Well, every Monday morning, we have a meeting, which our staff now leads. I used to lead the meeting, but I don't lead it anymore. I'm developing leaders, right? And so they're leading the meeting, and we say the landscape creed together. We'll talk about maybe one line before we get started, or I'll just remind people a little bit of our history on where it came about. But I, you know, it may be something as simple as, remember, everybody on that campus is watching you all because of your great reputation of how you work. People love the, what you do out there, and they love how you win national championships. All right, everybody, here we go. And then we'll start to, you know, Landscape hmm. Creed together. And what's been great about the Landscape Creed is when we're doing job interviews is I have the candidate read the creed out loud and tell me what it means to him or her. And you start finding out if they're a good fit or not. What I love about this is that not only do you involve them on a regular, your employees on a regular basis about your creed and restating it and making sure it sticks, but they actually help you create it. Yeah. Could you could you imagine what it would have been like if you just like stuck yourself in a room for a day and wrote it yourself and then said, "Hey guys, here it is. Here's the creed." You're right, Brandon. We had a guy, I was teaching Landscape University. I, I teach this to other people on how to create, and I teach it to real estate groups. I teach it to businesses, but I, I really teach it to other college campuses. And a guy came up to me. He came to my course three years ago, and he pulls me aside during break time. He goes, we got to talk. And so we go back and sit down. He goes, look, I've got Landscape Creed. I mean, I've got the Landscape University completely written, but my staff, is pushing back and will not do it. And so I asked him, I said, how much did you involve your staff in doing it? He goes, I didn't involve them at all. (laughs) And I'm like, you you, you missed the first 30 minutes of my teaching, but yeah, because it's not theirs. And 
you know, you don't have to take every single thing everybody says and put in it. People just want a voice. They want to be able to to talk. You're going to have a point person who who filters and makes it all sound good, and that's what we did too. But everybody had ownership in it, and that's that's what people want. So the the million dollar question, the title of your book, "Growing Weeders into Leaders." So you have this the distinction between like what the weeder is and what the leader is. Can you define that for us? It's just think in terms of attitude. A weeder yeah. is that is that person who who's looking for a paycheck. That's all they're looking for. They're looking maybe for a pension, but they don't. They're absent of any passion or any purpose. A leader has a purpose and why they're there. It's bigger than a paycheck. They, yes, they want to take care of their family, but they also want to do something great with a team of people. And, you know, we're all just a small part of something really unique and special here. And so that's what a leader is and, and takes people along with them on the journey. Do you ever, I mean, I'm sure you've hired weeders before. Is there a way to, to move them from a weeder to a leader? I mean, that's the, seems like the premise of your whole entire book. You can grow them. I that's assume. right. That's right. And we've had, I've inherited, uh, you know, weeders and, and it's fun to watch the process. You know, sometimes they're sitting on the fence. So many times people <laughs> just sit on the fence. They're waiting to be led by someone and your negative leaders will lead them or you or they will be led by the positive leaders. And what I found when we started doing what we're doing, the po- we gave the positive leaders so much, um, I don't want to use a horticultural term here, but we gave them so much water and fertilizer that it just grew that positive, you know, that positive atmosphere that the, the negativity sort of got shaded out and it died and it just kind of went away it crowded got crowded out so it's what you water it's what you intentionally want to grow for me i needed a culture where people provided tremendous results and a tremendous product with with a with very few people and i didn't focus on the results at first i did and that was a mistake what i started focusing on was the culture and the people and then they they naturally produced the fruit which was the results i wrote down a couple of things from uh the section about just moving the employees from a weeder mentality to a leader uh, you had some great ideas you had field trips uh bringing in speakers go, sending them to conferences meetings uh, like monday morning stand-up meetings uh setting goals for each employee. I mean, that's beautiful. Job shadowing, having a library of books. Those, I mean, those are, those are amazing resources. Yeah. And, and, but you know, if you don't do it, if you don't drive it, it won't happen because most people don't gravitate toward growth. They tend to gravitate to the little, little as possible that they have to do or can do. And so when I bring the energy to this type of culture, they see that that's the way we measure wins. We measure the win by, you know, how we're moving the needle outdoors, but how we're moving it with each other. Are we getting along? Um, do we complement each other? Are we working for everybody to be successful? And, and that's how you measure your wins. Couldn't agree more. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Um, I was on Amazon earlier and I saw that your your book on Kindle was seven ninety nine at the moment. I encourage people to go get that. It's it's a good book. It's a nice, easy read. Um, Hardcover is a beautiful looking book. Uh, it's nice to actually hold it in your hand too. So I want to encourage people to go get that. Anything else you want to say just about what you're doing? Any other things you're working on? Well, I'm excited about the book. It just came out. We're we're having great reviews, but you know we're doing a lot of speaking now. But I 
also, I teach a one-day leadership class, and, and Brandon, mm-hmm. I just I just wanted to provide that for your listeners. If they yeah. want that one-day leadership class that, that we do, a lot of the things that you and I talked about, I have the PDF on that. Be, I'd love to just share that for free with your folks. And Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah that's at jeffmcmanusspeaking.com slash Brandon. Awesome. And I'm going to put that right in the show notes so that way people can just get a quick link to that. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I'm hanging out at Jeff McManus speaking.com and, and that's all my social media and um, really enjoy the growth process of, of developing and growing people. A lot of fun. Well, we appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Brandon, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.